Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. It is March 7th. We have seven days left in the legislative session, which actually means fewer days because we have a weekend ahead of us. Lots of important topics to get to. Uh, there's a lot to deep dive into in this whole tax conversion bill going on where we're going to change where all the money in our state's going. We'll get, get to that in a minute. Uh, conversion therapy, it looks to possibly be dead. Very controversial this week. Is beer dead or does it still have life in it? Can you marry your first cousin? Is it a good idea? Should we all think about the cousin we love the most? And the Constitution, should it be gender neutral? All of these questions we're going to get to on this week's podcast. Let's start first with one of the most controversial so far, conversion therapy. And right now it looks to be dead. I thought we were headed in the right direction, Jim. What happened? What went awry? You know, this is a this is an issue that I care very, very much about, Heidi. I spent six years as a senator going from one end of the state to the other, meeting with families and with children, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, who are gay and their parents don't know what to do. You know, who knows? There's no training book on that. Yeah. And so they go to a therapist. And there are therapists who are practicing right now who say to 11-year-old kids, you know what, you just need to change. You don't need to be this way. It's up to you. And guess what? They're wrong. And guess what happens to those children and their parents who are putting pressure on these young children? I have a question for all of you. How hard would it be for you to change? How many sessions would you need so you could suddenly become gay? I mean, let me tell you where this land, lands. It lands with me in Alpine looking in a coffin to a 12-year-old and nobody knows what happened. Or in Ogden with a 16-year-old or in West Valley with a 14-year-old. You know what? You killed this bill. And I will not forgive you. All the politics we've done over the years and all the chatting about this and that, that bill was killed. The governor was gutless. And at the last minute, he, he supported it all along. And Gail Rizika went crazy. Eagle form. She, she, with the eagle, eagle form. Yeah. She knows yeah. nothing about this. And they trotted out these fringe members of the community and of the Republican Party and the governor drank the poison and he didn't want to upset these people that know nothing he turned around and in effect killed the bill I'm not gonna forget him I am not gonna forget those legislators I talked to them the night before this was a despicable display display and kids young Utahns we lose 35 to 40 every year. There, there's going to be more dead because the governor didn't have the guts to do the right thing. Shame on you, Gary Herbert, and members of the Utah legislature that caved. Sorry. Bef before we move on right now, obviously this is an emotional issue. 
Governor Herbert lost um, from Equality Utah, Troy Williams, who was sitting on his suicide task force. Was that the right move for Troy to step down for that, to make a point, or is he better served making sure that a voice is still heard from the gay community talking on this task force about why these issues are so important and why suicide is an issue for these kids? The governor made a choice. He had his political cronies over here, and he had those desperate Utah children. And he picked his political. If I were Troy, I would have quit too. Uh, somebody has to stand for some principle. So, uh, so as you can hear the emotion in, in, in Jim's voice, yeah. and I will tell you that, that the political process, uh, when you get those important signals from the executive branch and from your bill sponsor and from colleagues about addressing this issue in a comprehensive and collaborative way that finds common ground and you and you have the expectation that you're going to address this look teen suicide i mean it is one of the it is an emerging and it is a it is a very scary uh, crisis that we're facing right now and we've put a lot of uh, legislative mm -hmm. resources into trying to help kids that are in distress and and this is one of those areas that you know as policymakers we don't know uh, the, I don't have the empathy or the understanding that Jim is expressing, or Troy Williams from Equality Utah, but when you have a bill that seems to be on, on, a, on a very good track and finding that common ground, and in that committee meeting, it feels like the rug's pulled out from under you. The, the emotion you're hearing from Jim is, is the same emotion from Troy Williams and really from a community. And I, I gotta tell you that for me, being finally on the outside of the legislative mm -hmm. process watching, you can't give flowery speeches in June. You can't talk and you know before a session and be so aspirational, and then in in a way that is uh, so sudden and it, just to a substitute bill to have that, it just isn't good. And it, it's it you, you just got to be the same person. If you care that much, you weigh in and you lean into this. And if you think that there's more information going, hold the bill. Don't yeah. sub it and kill it. Hold it. But that, that didn't happen in this case. And I think that there's a lot of people that rightfully feel betrayed by that process. And so, I, look, uh, Jim has a right to be upset. Troy Williams does as well. I think you have to get beyond that. But look, let's quit giving uh, a speech and, and, and you know, kind words to something that when, you're in, when the rubber hits the road in a session, you're not willing to spend the political capital. You would have pushed for this vote and yeah, been I, in favor of it? Yeah, you know, I, I'm careful in that I'm not in the arena, so I'm not reading every line of that bill. But certainly everything that I was seeing about that bill and, and the common ground that was being arrived at, that bill seemed to be the right way, and I was supportive. If there was something wrong that I don't see, mm -hmm. and I allow for that in a legislative process, why would you just sub it in real time and kill it, basically gutting it, without that kind of same process that got you to that day. But I think there's a lot of people that are upset. I think some people are putting a good face on it, yeah. but I think this process was bad. Here's the part I don't understand. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints arguably has influence, whether they're talking to legislators, it just happens to be uh, the denomination they go to. And even in the last, let's say, decade, that church and other churches have gone away from uh, let's pray the gay away to you're born that way and maybe they're not saying live a gay lifestyle but they're saying we understand you're gay let's try to work with this so why when churches these days have come to the conclusion that you're born this way are we at a point in our legislature where there's that many members of this dominant faith that are still like but maybe we can pray it away do they really yeah, believe that I, or know, fix it or convert it I see what I think one of the elements if we're to pull back the curtain of a legislative process there's so many issues that you have as a policymaker that you have to vote on you have to have an opinion about and we fundamentally as, as just 
people, we don't know. We're, we're an inch tall and a mile wide sometimes on the various issues that are flying at you and you're trying to get your head around. I think that, you know, and I'm saying this respectfully because these are my co former yeah. colleagues and I love the House and I love the legislature, but I'm saying that I think that there was some fear in terms of, of, of that bill and what it would mean to necessarily support the bill. And I think fear might have crept into that uh, more so than it should have. And I think that people uh, gave into that. And, uh -huh. and I'm telling you, because you're right, I don't think, I think we've come far as a society to know that some of these things we're gonna grapple with, but we've acknowledged some things. That bill, I thought, had, had done its work to earn the right to see its way through. It had, the, it had critical stakeholders at the table. Will it be back next session, either of you? Are we thinking? Maybe if we have a new governor, maybe, maybe, maybe it will happen. But this, this was a long, nuanced plan and process. Everybody was there, and suddenly, people made the political calculation that Gail Rizika and the Eagle Forum and the fringe of the Republican Party meant more than the very lives of those children. Imagine what it's like, and I, you know we spent a lot of time on this. Imagine if you're 10 or 11 or 12, and you're living particularly in rural Utah, and you find out you're gay. You already have a lot of strikes against you, and now to have it be okay to have a therapist march in and say it's all your fault, 12-year-old. If you're not changing, it's your problem. Well, believe me, that leads to suicide. Kids will die. Utah kids will die because of this. Shame on you. All right, we will continue this conversation. Another one that I have been surprised by, the beer bill appears to be dead. It is in committee, but I don't know if that's where I they go to die. When you said the beer is dead, I thought you just the meant it was flat. <laughs> I thought it was flat. I thought they lost all its carbonation. I don't get it, though. No? So uh, you could start this one, Greg. So the governor backed it. I don't know if he backed it too soon or what, but <laughs> I thought that it was going to go through. He gave it a stamp of approval. He was like, okay, let's catch up with the times. This sure. is the market. Sure. And then it's dead. So I think this is what's going to happen. I think that right now, uh, less there are fewer states that have the 3.2 uh, uh, you know, alcohol by weight uh, in the beer. There's a higher content uh, that for beer that's being made. So commercially, your big brew, your big beer, yeah. you know, Budweiser and Coors and everyone else, there's going to come a day where it just doesn't make financial sense for them to brew this unique alcohol content or lower alcohol content for the lone state of Utah. We're not by ourselves now, but I, but Oklahoma just uh, changed theirs. Uh, but until that day arrives where they stop brewing it where it's not just a theory, when it's actually the case. I think very quickly you'll see this legislature react to that and, and not want to lose for convenience stores, supermarkets, whatever, there's, whatever economy is there for that. Yeah. But so long as it's still that theory of what could happen, I don't think it has got the sense of urgency. Uh, as it, I think it got through the Senate, but I think it's died in the House. And so I think that, that my take from, again, from the outside watching right now, is that there's not a sense of urgency for this because it it's actually has not uh, changed the per, you know the production of that of that product. Have you downloaded your Pinterest recipes and started brewing at home yet? <laughs> I'm Some sure yeast it's in a sock or I'm whatever sure it is. I'm sure it's illegal. <laughs> I'm going to make the writing on the wall here for okay. Greg and the legislature. The people that make 3.2% beer, the big breweries have said it's we're not making it anymore. We're not going to have a whole production line just for Utah. So it's dead. So what the legislature and what Senator Stevenson said is, you know what, this is important. 
Um, and we want to make it convenient and we're going to have this other beer available. There's one gorilla behind all this and that is Marty Stevens, former Speaker of the House. It was Jerry Stevenson, the convenience stores, the grocery stores, everybody was in favor of it except a furious little Marty Stevenson for the LDS Church. He's a lobbyist and he was working the room and when it came right down to it guess who won well, and that's good though so does it matter what the percent is if you're not drinking it I, I don't know ask marty stevens that, I, I, that's what happened i mean this came from somewhere it didn't come from the governor's office it didn't come from the senate and i think that there's fingerprints everywhere um, I, I'm glad the, that you're at least saying that's fingerprints because I think you've attached a lot of motive to, to Marty Stevens that might not be the case or I don't think is the case. But you, to our hardcore listeners and, and viewers of Take Two, yeah. we've watched Jim evolve on this issue. If you go back to one of the original shows, Jim was saying, oh, the greedy Republicans are going to vote <laughs> this through because they want the filthy lucre to do it and he was he was just critical just of this bill as it was flying through the process it was all about the filthy profit that these republicans want to make <laughs> now as it's as the house i think has always had some reservations about this policy issue yeah. jim has pivoted incredibly oh, well yeah. to they are tone deaf and this is a this is a a, a religious fiat or, or way to interrupt <laughs> the legislative process he's been very good at being critical whether it was going to pass and Republicans were doing it wrong or whether it's failing and Republicans are doing it wrong. So what I think at the end of the day is there is still concern about if it is necessary to change that. We have some local breweries that say, hey, let it change and let them stay out. We'll take They'll up make that money market. Off it, yeah. We'll do that. It's a little bit more layered, this issue. Okay. And so, but I like, J hey, Jim is nimble. Yeah, flip okay, he is you know. nimble. He is <laughs> changing about, his story. Okay, let me dig down. Show the show. Will this make you happy? Maybe yeah. we can agree. <laughs> it's the Senate that is greedy <laughs> and susceptible okay, in the I House. Can, you can know, they're the ones that it. killed it. All right, you're both in timeout. Here's an important question. I might have to, I don't drink, but I would have to drink a lot to make this next one happen. Could you marry your first cousin? Should we be able to marry our first cousin? So there's a couple here in Utah, their first cousins. I think there's 12 kids in the family. So their parents are brother and sister. They went to Colorado to get married. They're still in childbearing years. They say it's only a tiny bit, tiny little chance that their kids will be weird. <laughs> I think the whole thing is weird. I love my cousins, but I don't like love my cousins. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I think a little weird's being uh, diplomatic. I, I tell you this. We got to have bigger issues in this on the front burner because I'm telling you what, kissing cousins, meaning like marrying each other. I I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I came we don't to do that Utah, there. <laughs> and I don't have polygamous family or family heritage or genealogy in your veins. In my veins, okay. However, my wife has a Utah. The Call family is a pioneer family. Four toes, all of them. And there is a there is a Ooh. deep history of polygamy somewhere down the family okay. line. Not anything recent, but it has impacted my own, my very own children. My two boys are colorblind. My my wife's brother, he's colorblind. My children are missing adult teeth, okay? Ooh. And I lay this at the feet of my wife and her gene pool that includes polygamy. So if I'm watching this and you're telling me we're not gonna go polygamy, we're gonna go straight up to these two kissing cousins, these poor kids. You got you, you. You can't do that. They're coming you for can't the, do they're it. Coming for the you state can't legislature. Do it. My kids are gonna kill me that I outed them all. But what it's if true. they were gay cousins though? Because then they're not reproducing. Would that be? Would that be better, Jim? Still creepy. Still creepy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so <laughs> you're a no on that. Yeah, yeah, you can I, marry for just so you know, if you're 65 and older or can prove to the state that you're barren and you can't have children, you still can do it. I don't Maybe know. Maybe there's some tax <laughs> reasons or something. <laughs> I don't know. Healthcare in Utah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Try to keep money in the family. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim. The Constitution, it may go gender neutral. Do we need this to happen? Of course. I mean, why? why? Because we need to send a message to our daughters and to our wives and everybody that the Constitution is colorblind. And it does say men and this and men that, and, and it should say people. Uh, but the broader issue here is it's time to have an equal rights amendment in the Utah Constitution that for once and for all clearly says, equality under the law shall not be abridged due to sex. What? how could anybody be against that? And yet I couldn't even get the bill out of rules into committee because the Utah legislature is dead set against having those words in the Constitution, I don't so, get it. So I'm a girl ERA, and I don't care, so I don't ERA, know. The ERA issue, a 1978 called, they want their, their pressing issue back, Jim. <laughs> I think you don't see that the sun rises in the east in the Constitution as well. I think that some of the things that you're describing are intuitive in 2019 and you don't have to necessarily put that in the Constitution. But in terms of making it gender neutral, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I don't, it goes back into that category of is this the most urgent thing and is this, do we need a constitutional amendment to do this because we're getting the wrong impression? Neil Armstrong said, I think when he's on the moon, it's a you know, small step for man and a giant leap for mankind. Are we supposed to erase that quote Look, from know, history? Is that, is that, I've gone through and changed my problematic? every page. You, is is like Neil Armstrong now persona non grata? For a lot I mean, of women in the marketplace, it's not blah, blah, blah. Utahns make tremendously disproportionate amount of money compared to men and Utah does a lot worse than the national average in the bottom three or four states. The same is true when it comes to promotion. We live in a state that has issues promoting women and paying women and doing other things and to send this message loud and clear legally is important not just in blah blah land but when it comes to corporate boards and when it comes to equal pay so when when we all get equal then you can say you know what poo 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 but we're not there now in utah we need to send that message i'll vote for it if it helps my paycheck and my bottom line i'm on it all right okay great. okay so here's the big issue today the governor in his state of the state address talked about a new way of doing taxes here in utah we haven't heard a lot from him since and we literally have a week left of the legislative session. This would literally change the entire way we do taxes. Yes. Is this going to happen? Short answer from both of you first. Is it going to happen? I, I, I think it will not. At the end of the day, it will not. But, but, but hats off for taking on an incredibly difficult issue and a pressing crisis that's coming uh, that I think the public has to better understand. Is it coming, Jim? Down uh, it's not week? coming and no hats off. This was lame-brained, <laughs> unthought-out, stupid policy. Leave your hat hardly on your head. Okay, but do we not need to change the way we're taxing here in Utah to be sustainable in the long run? Not with this Rube Goldberg thing. Look, there's two easy, three easy things we can do. If we went back to the pre-Huntsman flat tax days, and just for people, couples making more than $500,000 a year, we just went back to where we were at 7%. That would bring in $322 million a year. We give back all those giant corporate 
sales tax rebates, which are somewhere around seven or $800 million a year. We could do that, but the Republicans in the legislature, they are tied to their one percenters. You know, we gotta make sure the Romneys, who are gonna do really well under the governor's plan. Okay, well the Romneys make a lot more than $500,000. Uh, well, a, they're gonna do, that's difference. my point. They're gonna do yeah. very, very, yeah. very well by the, by the uh, governor's tax plan. Uh, so if the Republicans would be fair, and let people who are making a lot of money pay a little bit more and then they would go after the sales tax rebates and incentives and the blah blah that they give to so many big corporations we'd be we'd be there we'd be almost a billion dollars a year and we wouldn't need to be going after this sales tax money for people that are making 10 or 15 or 20 dollars an hour. So should Utah Robin Hood and ta tax the rich and take the so, money that way? So yeah, and, and this is what, if I were still speaker, this is what I would tell my friend Jim, uh, who's, who <laughs> has a, a tax our way out of this uh, issue with the, with the income tax. Governor Huntsman's tax reform, where he went to a flatter, not a completely flat, but a flatter tax, Closer, he predicted okay. greater economic activity, higher revenue coming into the state. Everything that the Governor Huntsman predicted or said would happen if we reformed our income tax has occurred. It is a very robust revenue source for the state and our economy has done very, very well. I don't know that you'd want to, to interrupt that. It's, it's working as was predicted when we did the reform. But what I would say to Jim is what I would say to my uh, more right of center or my most conservative members that would have their own idea. Jim, you heard, just wanted to raise taxes, get a progressive tax, income tax, and that'll fix everything. I would have conservatives in our caucus and in the legislature that probably have a perfect scenario in their mind as well. And what I would say is politics is addition. You can't let perfect be the enemy of good. And after Jim was able to say that, if you can't get the number of votes to pass that, then what? And I think that the legislature has in that they were looking to lower income tax, even lower the sales taxes. They were broadening the base and creating new taxes, which Republicans don't typically do. But they were looking at taxing, potentially taxing services because we have a more service oriented economy, lowering the rate, broadening the base. That is outside the comfort level of many Republicans, outside my comfort level. But there was an attempt to try and find, there is an attempt to try and find that common ground. What you have found politically up on the Hill right now is you have a teachers union that would love to membership build on the politics of that and oppose it. Uh, you, have, you have people that are looking at the unpopularity of creating a new tax, even Democrats arguing against it. You're punishing lawmakers who are leaning in and trying to do something right because the general fund, the way we collect it, isn't paying for the cost of a growing state any longer. But it's easy to say out here, but I don't think the public at large understands this, this structural imbalance and how severe it is. And until the public at large understands it more fully, I don't know that these, uh, these uh, their profiles encouraged, I'm telling you, but I think the public has to see that we have a, an unsustainable tax system right now that has to look closer to what the economy looks like in 2019. Okay, so Jim, here's a question. Um, in our meetings, we've been talking about this in the afternoon when we decide what stories we're going to cover. We covered health care, and a lot of people are upset about the idea of taxing health care. So if you're going to tax services across the board, health care would be one of them. Is that taxing the poor? Is it taxing people in their time of need? Or is it just one more place, to be fair, that would need to be taxed if you did this? 1% of the cost of insurance going to be taxed as if that isn't enough and as if the state hasn't already put 
the people of the state in serious trouble by refusing what the people wanted, Medicaid expansion, it also would cut education. It would not. It okay, cut, explain it cuts, to me why it would cut education and then it, you can tell me why not. Yes, it absolutely will cut education because they are going to take money out of uh, the, the sales tax and they're going to end up it's going to end up hitting. Wasn't that money that was sort of jerry-rigged anyways and was getting yeah, traded around? Yeah, it was, there was a show game. There, there, there is a better way to fund public education, and that is to not use Right now it all comes fund. out of income tax. Yeah, right yeah. now. But, but general fund money used to fund all, before 1996, all of higher ed. That is not the case any longer. You could put more of the state income tax, even at that lower rate, you, you would be able to dedicate more state income tax to K through 12 education if you had a general fund no. source they that lower. you could put into higher education and start restoring but back into the, it. The legislature has That's this. That's what they need right now. So the legislature has this, it, it, okay, it but the legislature has this mentality that we can't raise any taxes anywhere, no matter what. Even with a so here's what but they here's what, what they say they're creating new here's taxes. what they finally that's, that's, came that's, up with they're the lowering level. the school funding the education fund they're lowering that fund and the reason they need to do that is because they're raising up the money coming from the sales tax by so much they they talk about revenue neutral that's why in their heads why they're lowering the education fund. This is not revenue. It's 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 a very bad idea. It's gonna it's a regressive tax. It's not well thought out. Going had, after healthcare. If you had more really. general fund money to put into our institutions of state institutions of higher learning, you can leave more of the state income tax in our in our K through twelve schools, which will improve the funding uh, scenario for our public schools, which is what I think we both want. Now, All final of us want. question for Greg. Because <laughs> when you talked about Huntsman, Everything that was going to happen has happened with revenue from the flat tax, except one thing. They promised us that as the pie got bigger, mm -hmm. more money would go to education and we would move off the bottom. So despite that, look what's happened. Utah I love that you has I love stayed that you 50th in education. Right. No, despite the fact we've been in the best so. economic times in history. So we this keep is, having babies, more people yes. moving to the state. There's a lot we of people, have more, right? We have more children entering our kindergarten every single year. The 16 years I was a lawmaker and it, there's no end in sight. There are more children entering kindergarten than seniors graduating out of high school. So that enrollment growth is still continuing to go up. We put a billion new dollars in the four years that I served as speaker, a billion dollars of additional revenue. And if the if the sum total and the and the and the takeaway from the investment we've done, we've raised teachers' pay, we've put those dollars in that I think are uh, historic in terms of commitment. Mm -hmm. If the takeaway of that is strike, it's terrible, everything's wrong. That's where cynicism starts to to come in, and you feel like you're in a circular argument. How are we doing? Terrible. Why? We don't have enough money. Here's more funding. How are we doing? Terrible. Why? There's not enough money. That's a merry-go-round. What you don't want to have happen with lawmakers is no matter, after all of our best effort, the, the, the takeaway is always you have failed. You're, you're, going to, you're not going to hear those concerns about education funding. You're going to start to feel like they're going to be said regardless. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that to be the case. You look at the funding, Jim, of education, especially during this time where we've had good economic times, and it is an absolute fact that we have had record funding and being able to fund our schools. Now, we have more kids per taxpayer. We don't have a property tax base in our state of Utah like other states do in terms of our property tax funding education traditionally in other states. There's other variables going on 
that, that reflect that ranking that you talk about. But I don't think it's a lack of commitment or priority from the legislative branch do or the need, governor. So do we need the governor to sit down and explain this to us? We talk about the fact that he's got political capital, his approval ratings are at 80%. If he were to sit down, Jim, on his sofa at the governor's mansion and explain on Facebook Live to you for like half an hour, would it help? Or you're just, no, bad idea. Uh, it would mean I wouldn't have to take my Ambien uh, that <laughs> night. It'd be your but bedtime story. <laughs> but look, I'm not buying what Greg is selling. Well, uh, that's it's like, okay. It's like you never do. I, I try every week. Every week I come here selling. It's like not saying the children, not the children are there. It's not like there's some ethereal thing and we can't say, well, you know what? We I don't agree. have any money to feed you. You should be happy. Did the children, we are 50th. This is our most important resource. It ain't great. And so I don't mind looking at the legislature and say, do your job. Can we be at least 40th and funding is a goal? Is that asking too much? It's so cute when you talk to the legislature like that, like you never were one of them. <laughs> you know, there is a little irony there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Right. Okay, when you're looking at these great acting skills, you're probably like, hmm, I wonder where he learned them. Does he use them outside of this podcast? Does he? I wonder I that myself. You read my mind. Have you ever been on the stage before? Shameless plug. It's called La Caja Faux. It is the Broadway musical. It was The Birdcage, you might have seen with Robin Williams. Uh, this next weekend, the 15th and 16th at Pioneer Theatre Company, um, I will be on stage playing a pontificating, bloviating senator. And Karen, uh, what will you is be, that acting? What is will that, your is that an acting job? Or what, what, what is going on here? That sounds like, that sounds <laughs> like take two. I Are you saying take two is part of this musical? The director, Karen, said it won't be much of a stretch for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, so, yeah, please come and see it. Um, I promise a good time. But we, there's four or five of these marvelous actors from New York, and uh, it's you can come and so laugh at me. there's real actors there. Oh, yeah, too. there's okay. real, real, real actors <laughs> and wonderful Utah actors, Jim, too. tell us the nights again and where. So, thanks. It's uh, Friday night is the opening night, the 15th, and then Saturday matinee and Saturday night. There's some tickets left, so please come. There'll be a 1,000 of us. We'll have a ball. Awesome. Awesome. And I end up... In tights? In a frock. Ooh. Whoa. If you remember this story. All right. I can't wait to see this. And next week, don't fear... Greg will be here holding down the fort with Brian Malay. He, he's awesome up on the hill every day. And we're going to have a fill-in for you. We don't know yet if they're better or worse. We'll judge when we all get back. I'm going to go Could get be my last week. I'm going to go get some sun. If you can see this on camera, you see I need a tan. So it's spring break time. Yes, yeah, spring break it I'll is. I'll be here. I'll miss you too. I really will. But I don't. I have a boring life. I'm here. I'll be here. You'll be here. We'll see. All right. So listen in next week. I'll be back with Jim the week after that. You can give us our reviews. You can always hit us up online, Twitter, Facebook. We're all there. Thanks so much for listening.